Welcome to Sustainable Futures, the sustainability podcast from Kantar, the world's leading marketing, data, and analytics business. In each episode, we speak to senior experts from a wide range of disciplines to bring understanding to complex topic areas and to shine a light on pressing social and environmental issues facing businesses. These podcasts are designed to enable marketers to create sustainable futures for brands. So hello and welcome to the latest episode of Sustainable Futures. My name is Jonathan Hall and I'm managing partner of the Sustainable Transformation Practice at Kantar. So today's episode is the next in our mini-series based around Sustainable Marketing 2030, a thought leadership study conducted by ourselves in partnership with the World Federation of Advertisers. And today we'll be focusing specifically on one of the five levers of change, transformative relationships. And I'm delighted to be joined today by two brilliant people who I'll be exploring the, the topic with. So let's start with some introductions. Michelle, would you like to go first? Hi, Jonathan. Thanks for welcoming me back. My name is Michelle McAvoy. I'm initiative lead for the Planet Pledge at the World Federation of Advertisers. Um, for any of your listeners who don't know, the WFA are an independent, not-for-profit membership body exclusively for brand leaders. And we're really committed to helping shape an industry that delivers in equal parts for business, for people and for the planet. Um, back in 2021, we launched an initiative called the Planet Pledge, which is a CMO-led framework designed to galvanize action for marketeers to help the world meet the challenges laid out in the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and most specifically around climate. Brilliant. And we worked very closely together on this, didn't we, Michelle, for, a, for an extended period of time. And Charlie... Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Charlie Thompson. I am the Director of Commercial Strategy at the Cambridge Institute for Sustainability Leadership. Um, and I am co-convener of our Sustainable Marketing, Media and Creative course. Um, for those who haven't come across CISL, CISL exists to activate leadership globally to transform economies for people, nature and climate. And it works to do that through its education, foresight, convening and innovation offerings and engagements. Thanks, Charlie. And you were one of the people we interviewed right at the start in the, in the vision interviews for this. So it's great to, great to have you back. So Michelle, I'd like to start with you. Can Just to help frame the conversation, can you help listeners understand a bit more about Sustainable Marketing 2030, the work that we did and, and the partnership together? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said at the beginning, Jonathan, we worked together for an extended period of time to create something called Sustainable Marketing 2030, which really is a body of work created by the World Federation of Advertisers in partnership with Cantal Sustainable Transformation Practice that really focuses on how to support marketing functions to be truly compatible with a sustainable future. Um, I think it's a really insightful piece of qual and quant research. Uh, we, the research was carried out across 48 markets globally and includes perspectives from 18 vision interviews, including Charlie. Um, and a whole series of uh, other leading CMOs, CSOs, thought leaders in the space of marketing and sustainability. I think in terms of where we are at the moment, the first piece of work that we published out of this initiative was a report in April last year, uh, which really looked at three key areas. So the first was the progress of organisations and marketing functions on the sustainability journey over the last two years where we looked at what's changed, what still needs to change, and what's the role of marketing in realising what still needs to happen. 
um, some of the most pertinent sustainable transformation opportunities and challenges. And finally, um, a series of marketing levers to leverage for sustainable growth. So they touch on things like strategy, innovation, partnerships, communication and measurement. And I'd say really that at its core, this body of work invites us as an industry to consider rethinking the ways in which we drive value and the power of brands in helping drive and shape a sustainable future. So it's really as much about the need for the internal transformation within our organisations from a behaviour change point of view and ways of working as it is about the external task of working with consumers, customers and other stakeholders to normalise more sustainable behaviours. So yeah, that's the work. Brilliant. That's really helpful. Thanks, Michelle. And we'll put in the show notes a link to the uh, report that was now put last year. And uh, a big uh, output from that was the circular marketing framework. And that consists of five levers of change. And the one that we want to really zoom in on today is transformative relationships. So, Michelle, can you just give us a bit more about what exactly that lever is about? Yeah, absolutely. So the transformative relationships lever almost underpins all of the others in a way. Um, And it's about the perceived need to shift from exchange-based partnerships to what we call transformative relationships. So what are the relationships that are important internally and externally if we really are to drive rapid and scale impacts? So, you know, most of us who've been in the industry for any period of time will have experience with traditional forms of partnership, which tend to be based on resource exchange for mutual benefit. And whilst that way of partnering isn't inherently wrong, and there absolutely is a role for exchange-based relationships, they, they will remain important. I think what we heard in the research was that as an industry, we might need to invest in and explore the ways in which we work across different stakeholders and multiple stakeholders really because the size, the scale and scope of the challenges that we face on climate and on climate related issues is unprecedented. We've never really faced anything like this before. So this means that as organisations, you know, we might need to consider working with other businesses, governments, NGOs and other stakeholders to seek solutions as well as those that we might traditionally partner with. I think my additional build on this lever, Jonathan, would also be this distinction that we landed on when we were creating the report that This lever is about industry-wide collaboration versus just coordination. And in the report, we highlighted a really brilliant definition from the United Nations 2030 Agenda Partnership Accelerator on what transformative partnerships mean. Um, And that definition, I'll actually read it because I think it could be really helpful for those listening. It, It really looks at an ongoing collaborative relationship between or among organisations from different types of stakeholders, aligning their interests around a common vision, combining their complementary resources and competencies, and sharing risk to maximise value creation towards sustainable development goals and to deliver benefits to each of the partners. So I think you can really see some different language coming through, and that's really the kind of distinction that underpins what we mean by transformative relationships. If we're able to, Jonathan, it'd be great to share a link in the show notes to that 2030 Agenda Partnership Accelerator because there's lots of great insights in there. No, of course, that's that. Thank you for that, Michelle. And that's that was key to our thinking, wasn't it? And obviously, the notion of partnering, as we all know, critical to sustainability more broadly. And Charlie, I know CASL, you, you may not term it transformative relationships, but this notion is is key in achieving the the transformation that we all need. 
that we all need to see. So could you just give us a sense of the Institute's point of view on, on this idea? And, that, and then we'll deep dive on some of the, uh, the, the specifics. Yeah, absolutely. And um, just to say firstly, that it's it's very aligned with what Michelle is outlining as well. And I think that's what I love about this report that you guys have produced is that there are so many principles that overlap with with some of the, the you know, the core principles that we teach. So um, the Institute's point of view is that really what's clear is that our contemporary leadership challenges require some urgent cooperation and collective action um, and that the scale and complexity of the issues that society face mean that no one sector, whether that be government or business or finance or civil society or academia, can really uh, tackle the, the challenge alone. So the work needs to be done together towards a common purpose. Um, and, and that's a principle that's really firmly embedded in the sustainable development goals as well. Um, and in our uh, Leadership for a Sustainable Future reports, we outline a framework that addresses the limitations um, around some of the dominant ways of thinking about leadership. Uh, and that framework brings together the significance of purpose, um, the nature of leadership, uh, which is expressed as four principles, and also the importance of place and and of context when identifying leadership characteristics for a sustainable future. Um, key call out is that it, it concludes that the leadership principles that are showing most potential to work for a sustainable future are connected, they're collaborative, they are creative, and they are courageous. And it's that collaborative principle that's key to this conversation. Um, it characterizes the way that we work together collectively for sustainable outcomes. Uh, it's a about inclusivity and working towards um, and within alliances with one another across boundaries to achieve collective change. Um, and it requires both collaborative mindsets and collaborative principles in order to really truly bring it to life. That framework that I've just spoken to really aligns with another that was developed by my colleague, Dr. Victoria Hearth, um, which looks at the principles around purpose-driven marketing. So Victoria calls this um, guide and co-create marketing. And one of the six principles within that framework is named relate and co-create. And the relate and co-create uh, principle speaks to the need for marketers to build very deep and collaborative, co-creative relationships with their customers, um, but also with other stakeholders. And importantly, and really key, to lead with empathy. Um, and it's this which is a key unlock in ensuring that marketing can deliver that optimal strategic contribution, working towards long-term well-being for all living things. Um, and if it can, if it can do that, um, you know that is that's a critical unlock. I think to echo some of it, more of Victoria's words, really, it's, it's around how marketing perceives its relationships with customers and with other stakeholders um, that is as significant as assuming its leadership role in the first place. Great. Thanks, Charlie. So I think that, that dovetailing there about how you talk about the limitations of the dominant ways of thinking about leadership very much echoes, I think, the work that we did it with um, Sustainable Marketing 2030 and the dominant ways of marketing. And, and I, I assume we can um, help people find the, the framework there uh, and the purpose-driven marketing and, and provide a, a, a link in the show notes, yeah? Absolutely. Great. Thank you, because I'm sure that will be a question people will be asking. So 
Michelle, just building off what Charlie said, I know you talked about transformative relationships, but anything else you'd add from the Sustainable Marketing 2030 work about what marketers told us? Yeah, so I think my only additional build really would be about the two contexts that this lever speaks into around collaboration. So uh, the first context is about collaborating in the immediate value chain, and the second is really looking at collaboration more broadly. So if we take the immediate value chain first, um, with those immediate value chain partners, what we learned in Sustainable Marketing 2030 was that there are a multitude of benefits in when organisations are able to move beyond transactional relationships towards this notion of a shared mission with agencies and with consumers. And these benefits can range from savings and higher revenues to things like enhanced speed and motivation across the whole spectrum of industry stakeholders. But what was interesting in the report was that the data suggested that the majority are actually missing out on some of these efficiency and other gains. Um, so what, what we saw in the data was that only a minority of those most advanced on the sustainability journey, so it was about 41%, have KPIs and measurement aligned with their agencies. And for those just starting on the sustainability journey, that number drops to just 12%. So I think there's a real opportunity here to think about collaborating in the immediate value chain across the spectrum of stakeholders. And then the second piece about you know, thinking about collaboration more broadly was um, what we learned in the research was that looking at opportunities stemming from broader stakeholder collaborations is super interesting. So 54% of those most advanced on the journey collaborate with partners outside of their category versus only 22% of starters. So again, whilst the majority of those the advanced responders are working in this way, there are still a fair number that aren't. So there is a just an inherent opportunity here to drive value through collaborations with a broader set of stakeholders. Brilliant. So, so Charlie, Michelle makes a really important point here about distinction between those two contexts. So collaborating in the immediate value chain and then broader collaboration. And thinking about the scale of the, the uh, disruptions we're going to increasingly face, uh, and the collaborative mindset that we're going to need um, in facing up to them. What can you help us just, you know, think about what that actually might look like? Yeah, I mean, in terms of the the breadth that we're talking about here, um, you know, it's we're talking about a broader set of stakeholders, not uh, across categories, across industries, across the business ecosystem at large. But also, it's 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 really important to consider a broader set of stakeholders across society and across the natural world. So we're talking the people, the citizens, the living things that are going to rely on our ability to transform the economy to survive the radical change that is afoot in our natural world that's been driven by our economic activity and our influence. Um, so realize that breadth and really considering you know all of those stakeholder groups is absolutely key and effective collaborative leadership is really about working in a way that co-creates genuine benefit for multiple parties um, for multiple stakeholders uh, with a focus on common good rather than a focus on sort of solely personal or organizational gain um, and in the context of marketing and brand management that's going to challenge us in lots 
of ways. Um, and in one way, I think importantly, it's going to challenge us to possibly put aside our traditional tendency to compete at all costs um, and really to consideration to consider when and how collaboration might better serve us, better serve our society and the natural world. So we're talking about collaboration over competition where appropriate. And great collaborative leadership really links ideas, it links people, it links resources together in a way that they might not usually connect with one another. So it's about facilitating uh, an exchange um, and a creativity that's really beneficial for organizational performance, while also being effective um, in addressing those wider sustainability risks and opportunities. Um, yeah, so, you, you know, huge breadth that we're talking to here. And I do think that's really critical when we think about the scope of relationships that are required um, and the link between collaboration and innovation in this space. So, Michelle, Charlie's talking there about, you know, overcoming that tendency to compete at all costs and think about when and how to collaborate and where that might be more appropriate. And I, and I guess some of the listeners will be thinking, Ooh, not so sure about that. You know, isn't that the nature of business? It's about competition. Doesn't that encourage innovation um, and allows us to serve our customers better? Um, but we know uh, against that, that as we've been discussing, there is a requirement for some of the, the challenges that we're facing to partner and collaborate. So uh, could you give us, are there any examples of this sort of collaborative behavior that's benefited the various partners in that collaboration that you know that hasn't fallen foul of, of competition law because that obviously is is another potential barrier to this yeah of course so i'd say the key distinction here is that of pro-competitive behavior so promoting competition in the marketplace and if you look through this filter the question really then centers on how to collaborate pro-competitively to help tackle these big systemic challenges for all stakeholders so I think one great example here would be something like packaging. So initiatives like Loop, um, which for those of you that don't know, is a global packaging reuse platform out of TerraCycle. These types of initiatives are really interesting because they enable retailers and brands to embrace reusable packaging. So systems like Loop, or there's another one which um, we've heard of before called Algramo, they're based on this idea that pre-use and um, being able to adapt packaging for multiple categories, multiple channels and multiple materials um, is, a, is an interesting opportunity. But if you look at reuse more broadly, you can really start to understand what we mean by transformative in the context of this lever. So currently, governments don't task organisations with accounting for externalities, so things like end of life cost of packaging. But as governments around the world look at the impact of plastics production and other things, in time, what we might see is that, that the business case for returnable packaging might become stronger and packaging reuse might be one of those areas where brands look to collaborate. And I think something I'd like to point to here in terms of an interesting piece of research, um, again, we'll pop it in the show notes, is something out of the Ellen MacArthur Foundation. So they published a piece of research recently called Unlocking the Reuse Revolution, which they developed with a range of organisations, including national governments, reuse experts, major brands and retailers. And their study really starts to demonstrate the, the job to be done here. So what they shared in that report was that returnable packaging has the potential to achieve meaningful environmental benefits 
compared to single-use packaging. So the data in their report said that um, a, a, re, a reuse um, type strategy could reduce material use by anywhere between 45 and 75 percent, and greenhouse gas emissions and water could be reduced by anywhere between 35 and 70 percent in some of the scenarios. So what this starts to show is that this kind of reuse approach could drive many benefits for companies ranging from lower procurement costs, shared R&D, and could also offer compelling experience for, for customers and for consumers, which is important. Um, I think I would just say that the headline here is that this type of systemic shift is complex because it calls for the creation of shared infrastructure, potentially for packaging standardization, for collaborative working where brand retailers, manufacturers, policy makers, civil society, all those people Charlie was talking about, will need to work together in a way that maybe we haven't before. And if you think about that from a brand and marketing point of view, and your point earlier about innovation, this type of initiative may also mean that we need to think differently about how we innovate and how we are creative. So for example, you know, um, in, in many categories, um, brand equity is driven by packaging. So we'll need to think about in what other ways might people drive brand equity within their own organization if standardized or semi-standardized packaging is in use. So in that context, um, you know, things like the products itself, labeling, artwork, in-store experiences, different ways of delivering that end product to, to users or consumers is key. And these are all areas actually that I picked up on in that report. So I think uh, slightly long-winded, but I think packaging is one of those systemic-wide challenges that I think, interestingly, we might see some collaboration on moving forward. But yeah, d delve into that report because it's it's really insightful. Great example. Thank you. So, um, Charlie, I want to just go back to one thing you were saying before, because um, you talked about multiple stakeholder audiences um, in the sort of ecosystem that marketers will need to be thinking about. And I think probably listeners noticed as well, you were talking about people in their role as citizens. I'd really like to just um, drill into that a bit. What's, what's the benefit, would you say, of defining people as citizens as a marketer rather than as consumers? Firstly, to say that for those who haven't found um, his work already, this idea is really core um, to uh, the thought leadership that John Alexander is leading on citizens. So he published a book last year. Um, again, we can link in the show notes to this. But I think shifting the narrative and the labeling from customer and consumer to citizens is a huge unlock um, for sustainable outcomes in the context of marketing. You know, we are customers and we are consumers at point of purchase. But our relationship with a product or a service or experience stretches so far beyond that. Um, and the brands that we acquire, you know, we welcome them into our lives, um, into our homes. They become part of our lifestyles, our days. Um, and from a brand strategy perspective, when we shift that strategic consideration from consumer to citizen, we're strategically opening ourselves up to consider how brand, um, how a brand engages with society throughout its life, life cycle in a much, much broader way. Um, the reality is, is that marketing doesn't just influence our purchasing. And I think that's really, really critical for us all to understand. You know, it, it does influence our participation as well, whether we like it or not. Um, and, and that's a core sort of theme um, and link to marketing's brain print, which we define to be the psychological, sociological and cultural 
influences and impacts of brand and media uh, and creative work. Um, and if we're not thinking about that participation, really, we're only thinking about the act of purchasing. And we're shutting out a huge part of our strategic brand accountability and contribution up front. Um, so for me, you know, brand and marketing activity, it's, it's facilitating conversations of scale. It's creating what society perceives to be valuable, um, what it perceives to be normal. It is influencing, um, you know, our desires. It's creating meaning. It's informing. It is connecting uh, us with things and other people and ideas. Um, so, you know, marketers are influencing not just uh, what we buy, um, but also how we behave. And that influence really is critical. So I, I think that to change the socioeconomic system, we fundamentally have to rewire marketing's brain print. Um, and with that, we will rewire our social norms and our cultural behaviours and align our collective psychology with a sustainable future. Uh, and embedding citizen thinking uh, at the heart of marketing is really key to achieving that. I don't think we can overlook the fact that assigning labels to people or to groups um, does influence how we feel about them, how we feel about others, how we feel about ourselves. Um, and the portrayal of certain roles in society can have a really limiting effect on their potential. I do believe that limiting the human potential to the label of consumer is a key part of the problem that we face. So rethinking those labels and the influence and the potential that they have from the outset of our work, um, you know, in every creative or strategic decision that we make is really critical and key. It's such a, a, a simple unlock. Um, and I'm sure, you know, people listening, if they can just um, take that discipline of thinking about people in that way, I'm sure that will be extremely, extremely helpful. So just switching tack now, um, another thing that Sustainable Marketing 2030 did was it suggested that the marketing function has the opportunity to play a really pivotal role in, in this business transformation. Um, so it'd be great to hear from each of you about how you'd describe that role, because we know from the Global Marketer Conference um, 2022 that uh, marketers um, within the WFA ecosystem are very keen to you know, step up to that role. So, Charlie, I don't know whether you want to go first. Yeah, absolutely. So um, just thinking about the, the position that marketing holds in the system, that for me is what's critical in considering the role that it needs to play and the opportunity that it has. So um, marketing sits at the intersection of business and society. It bridges production and consumption. It is what we would describe to be the sibling of economics. It's the engine room of an economy that is you know, currently organized in a way that has outgrown the limits of our natural world. So to transform the economy, we've got to transform the market and the marketing that's driving it. I strongly believe that we're not going to get to sustainable outcomes without sustainable marketing because of that position and that role that it holds at the heart of the system. Particularly, um, it's going to be challenging for us to meet the opportunities and the outcomes that are uh, documented by the IPCC in their 2022 report and the demand side mitigation chapter. Um, I think a really critical thing and a challenge that we still face as an industry uh, around 
the the role that is needed and the level of change that is needed is the definition of sustainable marketing. And we need to very urgently get away from this idea that sustainable marketing simply means selling better stuff because it is so, so much more than this um, and is so much more strategic than that. Um, Really reducing it to that definition eclipses a level of transformation that is required. And it doesn't do what we need to do in terms of rallying the industry behind a shared ambition and a shared scope. So if you Google what is sustainable marketing, you'll find CISL's definition there. Um, And we define sustainable marketing to be a purpose-driven practice that's working to orientate businesses and brands and society towards a sustainable future by influencing the appropriate levels of awareness, aspiration, adoption and action action being a really key word there, across the economic and social cultural systems by taking necessary accountability for its uh, impacts and its opportunities. Um, and we we outline those impacts and opportunities kind of under four key pillars. So they are economic, they are ethical, they are physical, and then they are psychological, sociological, cultural, that brain print bucket that we were speaking to earlier. So again, if you if you Google what is sustainable marketing and, and, and click on the article that you'll find there that's on the CISL website, we've outlined 23 examples that marketing needs to, to change the scope that's required, you know, under those, under those four pillars to meet that definition that we've outlined. Um, and I just say that that's not an exhaustive list either you know there's a lot of there's a lot of transformation that is required and and one thing to add just to that is also that it's really critical that we do not confuse transition with transformation we just simply do not have time for that so you know trans transitional changes are the stepping stones towards a transformational state and what i think is key to this conversation is that we cannot transform alone true transformation really only happens together collectively uh, and united michelle just building off what charlie said but anything else you'd add so i think that marketers may be a unique place to help take this you know really important leadership role because our discipline combines a truly unique set of skills. So things like creativity, innovation, communication, all of which are so needed to drive the sustainable transition or transformation to replace some of Charlie's language back. But at our core, we're storytellers. So to pick up on Charlie's point about, about the brain print, which I think is beautiful. I love that language. It's about the brain, the brain print externally, but also kind of speaks to the fact that we also have a brain print internally within our own organisations. Um, and we do have the ability to create and shape narratives in a way that I think other functions just, you know, aren't, aren't able to in, in the same way anyway. Um, and I think the other build I would have is that to be truly compatible with a sustainable future, um, the marketing function can help play a role in, in stepping back and helping the organisation answer key questions. And, and in the research, the levers really are, are based on five key questions. The first being, as an organization, are you taking an integrated view of success that accounts for environmental and societal impact alongside financial metrics? Or are you looking solely through a financial lens? The second question is, are you acknowledging sustainability as an integral part of business ambition and practice, or does it sit as a standalone strategy? Uh, the third focuses on innovation. So is innovation a strategic transformation opportunity? that future proofs your business or are you looking at innovation as just an incremental tactical opportunity? 
relationships we've, we've touched on as the theme of this session, but that question really is looking at, are you looking to forge transformative relationships internally and externally, um, or are your partnerships more exchange-based? And finally, uh, are your sustainability communications grounded in action, as Charlie said, action being a really important word, um, or is your communication strategy something that sits separately? So for me, it's the combination of those five areas of that taking that step back and looking at the entire marketing organization and business that will enable the marketing function to realize its role in this uh, business transformation. Brilliant. Thanks, Michelle. And we outline those five in more detail, don't we, and people's points of view and, and how that ladders up into the circular marketing framework. So final question from me. Um, this podcast is called Sustainable Futures. So how would you see the role of this um, Leave for Change transformative relationships in helping create a sustainable future? So Charlie, would you like to go first? I think just to say firstly that at an individual level, I think marketers need to um, transform the relationship that they actually have with their roles. And there's a need for a, a recommitment of marketing skills and competencies and creativity to sustainability at large across the industry um, to really influence the radical levels of change across brands and businesses, but also across society that we've been speaking to. Um, but beyond you know the individual and an, indiv an individual marketer uh, team business cannot achieve this alone that's been central to this conversation i think that's the point we you know we almost started with so it really does come down to collaboration and innovation in order to unite the energy and accelerate the level of change that we need across all stakeholder groups for all stakeholder groups lovely Michelle. So I think I'd just like to reflect on something Charlie said earlier, which was really about people. And for me, the heart of every system is its people. Um, and at the end of the day, it's people that will set the ambition, the vision and the intent to make the changes that the science is asking of us. And, you know, the UN have coined this term, uh, the decade of action. And I think if we are going to truly deliver in this decade of action, we're being asked as marketers to look at who we're being as much as what we're doing. And when you combine you know, the bold transformative actions needed with, you know, a mindset of collaboration and radical innovation and creativity. I genuinely think that we have what it takes to deliver the transformation ahead um, and to respond in a way that's correlate to what the science is asking of us. Great. Well, look, thank you, Michelle, Charlie, for your, for your usual brilliance. Today's episode has been the, the latest in our mini-series around Sustainable Marketing 2030, um, focusing on transformative relationships. For the rest of the mini-series and other episodes of Sustainable Futures, um, please do look us up on your normal platforms. Um, we'll be posting the uh, reports in the show notes that we've described, and I'm um, looking forward to see, seeing you next time. You have been listening to Sustainable Futures, Cantor's sustainability podcast. I hope our episode gave you new insights on the intersection between brands, people, and social and environmental sustainability. Join us next time and continue to learn how marketing can create a fairer, greener future. And don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast platform for new content coming soon.